You can be seated. How many of you remember we were supposed to have a guest preacher today? Five, nine and a half, 150 pound African American. Do you remember that? The only comparison is five, nine and a half, right? About 160 probably. Reggie uh, is going to be here tonight, hopefully, we believe, and going to be preaching. Reggie is a marathoner. You know what marathoners do? They run long distance, 26 miles. How many of you think people are abnormal when they do that? Well, Reggie lives in California, so Reggie came yesterday. He came in Friday, and yesterday he said, I'm going to go run for 20 miles. I said, that's awesome. I'm going to run for two. And I'm here today, and he's not. Well, anyway, make a long story short, uh, we're at uh, El Toro's yesterday, and Reggie goes to the bathroom, and then we have to scrape him up off the floor and take him to the hospital. So he is doing better. He, uh, Dr. Sanders has wonderfully taken care of him, and I think Dr. Billy saw him this morning. So hopefully tonight at 4, he will be here for our Connection Group uh, leadership training and 6 o'clock. If you don't normally come on Sunday night, you need to come tonight at 6. Reggie's a great preacher, and uh, he's going to be pumped so full of medicine and different things that he will probably really be on fire. He may weigh 155 tonight by the time he gets here. But I want to ask you to pray for Reggie and pray for me. I found out definitively at 7 o'clock this morning I would be preaching today. So, uh, so it's been a wonderful and challenging weekend. Let's pray. Lord, we, uh, we thank you, God, that you're always in control, even when things don't go our way or when things go an unfortunate way. We do ask you to heal Reggie. We pray, God, that he will be uh, on a way to, his way to a full and speedy recovery and that certainly, uh, God, that in the days ahead he'll be fine. We do pray, God, tonight he'll be with us and be able to preach strongly to us. And we ask you now, God, to speak to our hearts in a challenging and a powerful way. And may we be open to whatever it is, God, you want, want to, uh, to say to us and for us to do. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. If you have a Bible, you can turn to 1 Samuel 17. If you don't, we will have them on the screens, 1 Samuel 17. And as you're doing that, uh, I wanted to f- define the word obstacle. Webster's defines obstacle as something being in the way, something that impedes progress. If you have driven in downtown Ruston in the last year, you know, we, we, uh, we have had some barriers that have impeded your, your uh, traffic progress, at least. And we understand what those are. So all, all of us have barriers in our lives this morning, whether it's uh, we're too short, we're too old, maybe we uh, don't have enough money. We, we have things that impede us or that hold us back. We're going to look at a great story this morning, a story many of you are familiar with, and we're going we're gonna to see that no matter what the obstacle is, if God's in it, there's a, there's a great way for success. And here's the first thing I want to tell you. There are things in life that you need to be doing. There, there are things... In this life, there are things that you need to be about. Always remember, folks, God has not left you on this earth just to consume calories and oxygen. God has left you here to do something significant with your life. Our story starts in verse 1 and 2. It says, The Philistines gathered their forces for war, and they assembled at Soko in Judah. They pinched camp at Ephesus and Damien between Soko and Azka. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up the battle lines to meet 
the Philistines. In verse 4, it says, A champion named Goliath, who is from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp, and he was over nine feet tall. In verse 8 and 9, it says, Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why don't you come out and line up for battle? Am I a Philistine? Are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects. And in verse 26, David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Here's what's going on here. Israel is the good guys. The Philistines are the bad guys. Israel are the ones that are trying to follow God, and they have a a just war, we might say, situation going on. Now, one way they did battle at this time was very unusual. They would they would get the the number one tough guy from one army, and they would get the number one tough guy from the other army, and they would say, we are going to settle this battle by putting these guys in the middle, and we're going to do one-on-one until somebody is dead. And that's what was going on. And Israel, God wanted Israel to take care of this, this giant. They wanted, he wanted them to take care of the Philistines' people, and he wanted to move forward and to do some great things with them and with their country. And I want to tell you this morning, certainly it's probably different than attacking an enemy army today or even a literal giant, But God wants to do something with your life. There are things that God wants to do with you. Do I know specifically what some of those are? Probably. He wants you to step your commitment up. Maybe it's to join the church. Maybe it's to be baptized. Maybe it's to start serving in a certain area. But there are things that God is calling you to do and he wants you to do. Maybe it's in your business area. Maybe it's professionally that there's things that God is is speaking, whispering in your ear or nudging on your heart. Maybe it's more education or it's a switcher of a career. Uh, Or maybe it's things involving relationships with your family that God wants you to do. But here's some great news, friends. God has great things for you. Remember, God has not left you on this earth simply to consume oxygen and calories. Calories are awesome. Oxygen is necessary, but life should be more than that, okay? And God has left you here to do great things. And you say, okay, this morning, that's awesome. Let me, let me throw an obstacle at you. Uh, there's going to be problems that are going to get in the way. Did you know that? There will be obstacles in your way. That's not the thing you always want to hear, but it's true. Sometimes we hear uh, TV preachers say, you follow God, it's going to be easy, you're going to be healthy, wealthy, and wise, and there won't be any problems. And the truth is, that's just not the truth. In fact, I want to tell you, when you make a decision with your life that you actually want to do something with your life, you want to step out of your comfort zone, and you want to be who God's called you to be, and accomplish what God's uh, calling you to accomplish, you are going to have problems that are going to crop up from that. Even, listen, even when you know you're doing what God wants you to, even when it's absolutely right, understand problems are going to crop up. Verse 1 and 2, the, the problems, I won't read it again. The Philistines are on one side, the Israelites on the other. They've got, they've got major problems. To accomplish God's will, they've got to defeat an, an army that does not want to be defeated. A stubborn army with a great champion. And you have problems too. This morning, everyone in here has problems. Everyone in here has obstacles you're dealing with. Three people don't have problems. You're taking notes, write this down. Dead people, 
crazy people, and liars. No one in here is dead. Amen? You may look like it, kind of, but you're not, right? Say amen if you're alive. Okay, thanks, Clayton. I appreciate the show of support there. Clayton is dead. Uh, So everybody's alive, and I don't want to think you're a liar. You're crazy. you got problems, don't you? Here's something that even gets a little bit more tricky. Sometimes you can have really big problems. In verse 4 through 7, a champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. He was over nine feet tall. Did you read that? He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he wore a coat of scale armor, a bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs were bronze greaves, and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels, and his shield bearer went ahead of him. Now, I want you to think about this. Goliath was probably at least nine feet tall, okay? A basketball rim is how high? Ten feet tall. The next time you're in the gym, just think about that. My favorite professional basketball player of all time is six foot nine. Goliath was two feet taller than him. That's big, isn't it? That is really big. He, it says he wore a, this special coat of, of mall armor. His coat probably weighed 150 to 200 pounds. That's a big coat, friend. It talked about the tip of his spear. The tip of his spear was like a shot put. It weighed 16 to 25 pounds. How many of you want that being chunked at your head? I, I mean, that goodness gracious, that is unbelievable. They had a really, really, really big problem. And let me tell you something. The greater heights, and you, need to, you really need to buy into this, the greater heights that God's going to take you on, the bigger problems you're going to face. Listen, you, you want to you put your life on cruise control? You want to say, ah, you know, I'm going to follow Christ, man, but I'm going to be lukewarm. <laughs> I'm going to be milk toast. I want to accomplish things in my life, but I don't want to push it too hard. That, that, that's fine, and you can go through the rest of your life lukewarm on cruise control. But the minute you say, God has left me here to do something with me, God has a purpose for my life, and I'm going to advance in that direction, expect your problems and your obstacles to be big. In fact, I would tell you this morning, anticipate and expect the problems. Don't look for them. Don't be negative. Don't see a ghost behind every bush, but, but expect them. But even when you have the problems, be willing to move forward. In verse 40, David, fully aware, aware of his problems, it says he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of a shepherd's bag with his sling, and he went after Goliath, knowing the problems. Folks, every great thing in this world that's accomplished is accomplished above and over or around problems. In the history of the United States, the Revolutionary War, you know, we came this close to losing that war on several occasions. One was in a a terrible winter when George Washington had the troops at Valley Forge and they were starving to death and freezing to death and they were quitting and they were wanting to leave and wanting to call off the war and make a truce with Great Britain. And George Washington hung in there and they made it through and eventually they won the war. 
There was a Roman historian, probably a little before Jesus' time, and, and, and he had a great quote. He said, the desire for safety and ease always goes against every great experience or every great opportunity. In other words, this morning, if you want to sit in your easy chair and complain because life is not as good as it should be or you're not accomplishing everything God put you here to, you want to be jealous of those who are doing things and criticize and critique them and, and, and be the, the one who does that the rest of your life, that's fine. But if you desire to be everything God's left you here to be, know that, that ease and comfort are not the way of the victor, okay? God's got great things for you. Problems are going to be in the way. Let me give you a third thing. Don't let the response of other people stop you. You know what is hurting churches? You know what's hurting teams? You know what's hurting businesses? And you know what's hurting you and me? Is we got too many negative ears and influences in our life. Man, that's the absolute truth. Sometimes it's just the negative behaviors of others that are awful distracting. In verse 11... It says, on hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Saul is the king, and he is a big dude himself. He's not nine foot tall, but he's a big dude himself. He is the leader. And what does it say? They were broken. They were despaired. They were demoralized. They were terrified. In verse 24, we see more courageous acts by them. When the Israelites saw this man, Goliath, they all ran from him in great fear. What did David see from all the people around him? When the opportunity came and the opportunity to do something right, make a difference, to follow God, obey God and the will of God, when everybody, including the leader of the country, saw this opportunity, they ran like a bunch of scared little kids. They were terrified. Folks, someone has said courage is contagious. And when a man or a woman is willing to step up and stiffen their spine and stand up for what's right and stand up for other people, that other people follow suit. That is true, but so is cowardness. When people back down and sit down and won't stand up and won't take a stand, that infects the rest of the group too. I want to challenge you this morning. You can't look at everybody else to decide that you're going to do the right thing. You know why? Because everybody else isn't going to do the right thing. Well, I will if they will. What are you, in the second grade? Don't let others' actions discourage you. Here's the second part of this. Don't let others' words discourage you. Man, oh man, were were the negative chirpers out in David's life. In verse 28, when Elab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he was excited for him. And he said, David, I think you can do this. You can take him. No, that's not what it says. He burned in anger. He says, why have you come down here? Listen to this sarcasm. And with whom did you leave those few little sheep in the desert? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. That guy was a Dale Carnegie, wasn't he? (laughs) What an encourager. And David says, now what have I done? In other words, David heard it his whole life. In verse 33, Listen to what the king says to him. Saul replied, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a boy. He's been a fighting man from his youth. The king's words of affirmation is you're going to get your head taken off of you. You're four foot eight now. You're going to be three foot eight when they carry you home to daddy. 
And here's what Goliath says. Goliath was a very good encourager too, as you can imagine. He said to him, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his God. Okay, let's look at this. Here's David, who wasn't just bending off. He knew this is what God wanted him to do. He knew it was the right thing to do. What did his family say? His family said, you're an idiot. You're a nut. You're a conceited little punk, basically the way his brother said. What did the king say? Oh, this is going to be really bad. And Goliath's saying, come on, I need to go eat lunch. Let me kill you so I can get, get past this. And do you and I, for some reason, think that when we decide to do something with our life, that other people aren't going to be discouraging? That other people aren't going to try to distract us and shoot us down? I love what Charles Swindoll said. He said, many people are like Mr. Slideback who got his master's degree from inadequate university. All they can do is tell you what you can't do. Who are you listening to? Do you need to be wise and listen to the right people? Absolutely. Do you need to understand that, that there's going to be all kinds of people who are never going to do anything with their life but except sit around and criticize and shoot you down when you try to do something with yours? You can't listen to those voices. Let, let me share with you some thoughts from experts from years ago. Popular Mechanics Magazine in 1949 said, The hope is someday in our world we will be able to get personal computers and computers down to the size of 1.5 tons. Think about that today as you play with your, <laughs> your laptop at home. In 1977, a leader in the industrial world said there will never be a need for personal computers in the homes of people. I bet that guy's in hiding if he's still alive. (laughs) Really. Gene Tenney was a heavyweight boxer, heavyweight champion of the world at one time. And when he was a young fighter, he broke both hands real bad. His trainer and doctors told him, Gene, you'll never fight again. And if you do, you'll never be effective. It was after that he went on and won the heavyweight championship of the world. There was a young man in Europe in the turn of the century, or really probably in the late 1800s. Went to school. He wasn't very smart. He didn't do well in school. His teacher said he was slow and not sure that they would be able to educate him. In fact, he would probably just do base manual labor the rest of his life. His name was Albert Einstein. (laughs) Do you and I think that other people are always going to be happy when we want to do something great? Even when you're doing what's right and you're following God, what this passage shows us is expect to be hit by the negativity bug. Don't let it stop you if you're doing the right thing, okay? Anybody can criticize and advise. Only winners move forward and do something. Here's the fourth thing. Don't let your own limitations hinder you. I want to ask you a question. I know we're 40 minutes into the service and some of you are tired or you're hungry. See, if you're awake, how many of you have limitations? Every single one of us have limitations. Those who didn't raise your hands, you have honesty limitations, right? You have, we all have limitations. I wonder how many of us today are saying, oh, I'm, I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm hearing that up front, right? I'm too young. Some of you may be saying, I'm not smart enough. Some of you guys are saying you're not good-looking enough, and that's probably true. We can't help you there. 
teasing, gentlemen. I wonder how many of us are making excuses why we're not doing what God's put us here to do. Well, verse 4. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out. He was over nine feet tall. Verse 33. You're just a boy. You're just a kid. And in verse 42... He looked at David and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome. I think that's funny. Goliath was probably ugly. And he despised him. How old was David here? Well, the the wording used is he was probably 12 to 14 or 15. And he's about, let's say, let's just say he's an average man for that. He's 5'8", 5'9". And he's going to fight a guy who's 9'9". Nine, nine to nine foot nine, who is a, a trained, experienced warrior. Okay, what would Vegas put the odds on this? I know none of you ever bet, but I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you a tip, okay? If you were going to bet the line, you bet Goliath, correct? I mean, you do. You do. There's no question about it. The only thing David had going for him was the thing we call God. We'll see in a moment. Yet despite all his limitations and despite the tremendous challenge he faced in verse 48, it says, as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line. It was like David was going to meet a girlfriend, not a nine-foot-tall ugly giant. What, okay, what are you, what this morning are you, what excuse are you using for not doing and being who God's called you to be? And when are you going to say, if this is what God wants me to do and it's right, it doesn't matter how old I are, I am, it doesn't matter about my education or lack thereof, it doesn't matter about the past, it doesn't matter about the present. If I'm willing to do the right things from this point on, it may be very hard, I may have a lot of problems, but if I'm willing to do it despite my limitations, God and I can do it, and you can do it. Franklin Delano Roosevelt served as president of our country longer than any president in the history of the United States. And, and you know, Nowadays, it would have been so obvious, but back then they were able to disguise it. He was in a wheelchair. He had came down with polio before he was ever an elected official. He was crippled. But yet, he, he pushed forward and served in the White House longer than anyone ever has. Don't let your limitations keep you from doing what God want you to do. And here's the last thing this morning. You can succeed. You can. Let me tell you this before we move forward. Make sure you're doing what's right. Make sure that you've prayed about it. Make sure that that what you're doing lines up with the Bible. Make sure it lines up with the Holy Spirit in you. Make sure that you're just not on an angry quest It's a selfish quest. You make sure you're doing the right things. And when you're doing the right things with God, you can succeed. In verse 49 through 51, great verses. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it, and he struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his head, and he fell face down on the ground. David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. 
not with a traditional battle weapons, without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. In verse 51, David ran and stood over him. He took the Philistine's sword, drew it from the scabbard. After he killed him, he cut off his head with his own sword. That's getting shown up, isn't it? Let me tell you, or just a reminder for many of you, a slingshot back then was not like we had used growing up, where you pull it and pow. You had a leather leather pouch, and you had two strings, probably leather straps that came off of it. You would put a stone in there, and then you would hold on to both of those leather straps, and you would swing it like this, and then you would release one of the leather straps, and, and the rock would go out with force. And a person who was well-trained and skilled at this could, could throw a rock and hit someone, hit Lance Patterson, pow, from where I'm standing, they were that good in the head. And they could also release that rock at about 100 miles an hour. They have found in the Valley of Elah where this took place, baseball-sized stones, round stones. So it's like a baseball. If you can imagine watching a, a Major League Baseball game tomorrow or today sometime, and you see a pitcher throwing 95 or 100 miles an hour, taking off the batting helmet and smiling, and pow. I mean, that would, that would smoke, wouldn't it? I mean, that would being. King James, being smitten by a rock like that would not feel good, would it? And that's what happened. All the grown men were sitting up on their swords, shaking, and the teenage boy goes down, and he whips the giant. He succeeds for the country and for God. And I want to tell you, if God can do it through David, God can do it through you. I heard a preacher say years ago, When you're going in the right direction, obstacles are going to be in the way. What do you do? You sit and cry. You listen to the people who say, oh, we told you. You couldn't do this. No, what you do when you face an obstacle is you either push it out of the way, you you climb over it, you go to the right of it, you go to the left of it, or you dig a tunnel and you go under it, but you make it through to the other side. Glenn Cunningham was a a young boy growing up in Kansas. And he was in a terrible house fire, and he was burned severely. Doctors told him he would never walk again, never walk again. But yet in 1934, many, many moons ago, this young boy who was told he would never walk again set the world's record in the mile run. Obstacles, limits, negativity, I don't know if you're ever going to set a world's record in the, the mile run or the 20-yard or the run, but I tell you this, God wants to do something with your life. And the only thing that's keeping that from happening is you and me. Will you pray with me? This morning, if you're a Christian, boy, I want you to dig deep in the next few minutes into your heart and ask yourself some questions. Am I doing what God's left me here to do? Am I trying to find what God's got me here to do? And am I willing to jump out of the comfort and security of my own little world to accomplish it? Maybe this morning you're here and you're not a Christian or you're unsure of your relationship with Christ, I want to invite you where you're seated to pray with me. 
and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to turn from my sins. I believe you're the Son of God who died and rose for me. And Jesus, I ask you today to come into my heart. I ask you today to be my Lord and Savior. Let me have your attention just for a moment. Just a second, we're going to stand and and sing. But but more importantly than that, we're going to challenge you to respond to Jesus Christ. Maybe you just prayed and asked Christ in your heart. Or maybe you're ready to do that. There will be ministers down front. We'd love to help you with that decision. You step out and come to Christ today. Maybe you'd like to join our church fellowship. One way you can do that is is by coming in a moment. We'll help you do that this morning. Certainly every person here who claims to be a Christian, whether it's at the altar or whether it's where you'll be standing, we need to make a commitment to Christ. We need to say to Jesus this morning, God, I want to do what you left me here to do. And with your help and your power, I'm going to accomplish it. Let's stand. As God leads you this morning, respond to Him. Respond to Him today.